Welcome to Moody's Mixer, Winning with Prostate Cancer. And I want to thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to hearing from you during these next couple of hours. I'll be broadcasting live from the Hilton Garden Inn in Shreveport, Louisiana. This is my second stop. And it's supposed to be a one-nighter. You know, every stop that I had along this, this trip, this journey that I'm on, every stop was supposed to be one night. I got here on Thursday, and I'm still here. I don't know when I'm getting home. So, honey, I will be home. I am headed that way. But I just stopping and driving as I'm being led to go. I mentioned earlier I'm here with my relatives, my aunt, my dad's last living sibling. And it's been a great trip. I guess that's why I'm still here three days. You know, I had a plan on, you know, getting back to Las Vegas on Wednesday, you know, taking a week to drive back. But right now it's, um, it's doing its own thing. So I end up canceling all my reservations for the rest of this, this trip. And I will book them as I start leaving a destination. You know, I was, I'm used to making reservations on my trips all the time because, you know, you want to make sure you have a room when you get there. Well, I guess with the pandemic, I think there's a lot of hotel rooms available. So if you hear clanging and dishes knocking, that's the people here working. I'm sitting up here in the lobby just enjoying myself and talking. So, how did I get here? Besides driving. How did I get here in the lobby of a hotel talking about my life? I don't know, but, but I'm here. And continue to talk about it because as I fight this disease I'm getting strength from talking you know they always talk about you know you need someone to talk to in your life and you know just talking to a microphone is more liberating than I anticipated I don't know where it came from but it's here and it's actually working for me. And I hope that it's working for some of y'all that are listening to this show as I go on this journey. And I appreciate the comments, the texts and the emails of what this show, this podcast is doing for you as well as what it's doing for me. So I appreciate that. 
So my next stop should be Wichita Falls, Texas. Now I'm going there because it's about four hours, 45 minute drive from here. I'm trying to keep all my segments under five hour drive per day. Don't want to drive more than five hours per day. I want to do all daylight driving. So that's been a little challenging. Um, you know, I started late, you know, leaving Atlanta about 4.30 on Wednesday. So that drive to Jackson was pretty much in the dark. And I did leave Jackson around 2 o'clock and got to Shreveport around um, 6 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock. And the majority of that that trip was um, daylight. It lasts about 20 minutes. It got dark on me. And I want to drive during the day because I want to see the country again. You know, my parents drove my brother and I around the country back in 1973. And it was a beautiful trip, nice trip, you know, being with my brother and my parents in the car for 7,300 miles. So if you ever travel long distance with your family before, you know, those trips can be fun, but they can be challenging also. You know, you in a small vehicle, you in a vehicle for 30 days just traveling across the country, you know, you, you have your moments. You have just your regular family moments. So it's bringing back some great memories as I do this journey across the country again. So when I was driving, and, and especially to Shreveport because I had daylight again, you know, started looking at my surroundings as I was driving and just understanding the rules of the road again, you know, on long distance trip. Because when you drive long distance, it's a little different than doing city driving. So how did I get here? What was going on on this trip? I saw a real bad car accident. And I took a picture of it, and actually I'm going I'm going to post it. So, you know, look at the show notes, and you will see a posting of this car flipped over on the side, with you know fire trucks, ambulance there, and you know we're creeping past it because everyone slowed down. And when you see something like that, it really slows you down, you know. And, you know, when you're on a long-distance trip, you know, sometimes you're doing 85 to 100 miles an hour, not necessarily on purpose. So you kind of get in the, in the moment with the other drivers that you may be driving with. You know, I, I ended up hooking up with two other drivers. I mean, we didn't know each other, but, you know, we were going at a good clip. And... You know, I was, I was in the back. They were first and second. And, you know, I'm just constantly checking my rearview mirror, 
you know, making sure, you know, there's no cops that entered the highway from the entrance ramp or from a previous entrance or exit ramp. They're watching the front. So it's kind of like a convoy, you know, back in the seventies, you know, you know, CB radios were real big, you know, those who been around for a while and been driving, you know, we had these CB radios, you know, Breaker Breaker 1-9, you know, what's your 20, you know, where are you? And you used to always be talking to the truckers, and the truckers would kind of help you tell you what was ahead or, because they are constantly, you know, the truckers were constantly in contact with each other about, you know, police officers, traffic patterns, because you didn't have GPS to tell you there was an accident or maybe there's another ramp you can go to. So now you are driving with GPS. Back then you had CB radios and cars started coming with CB radios. And mom had a, remember she bought a 78 Cadillac sedan DeVille and it had CB radio built in. Kind of like now they got the GPS built in and, you know, the Apple Play and all these things in these cars now. Well, back in the 70s, it was CB radios. So you need, you needed to learn how to talk the, talk the language. But now the transition is totally different now. But some of the rules of the road are still the same, you know. You know, my job as in this convoy was to check the back. So anyway, you're rolling. Next thing you know, you're doing 90 miles an hour, 95. And then you see an accident. You know, kind of shakes you up a little bit, makes you slow down. And kind of pause, like, man, that could have been me. What happened? What caused this accident? And I started thinking when I saw it, and you know, everyone slowed down for couple of miles and then you kind of just crank it back up again and as I go through this diagnosis prostate cancer and talking to other men that have gone through it and women that have gone through breast cancer and, and men and women who've gone through different types of cancer that you know when we get this diagnosis is it like an accident on a highway with our bodies and with our life? Does it slow us down at all? Or does it just slow us down for a mile or two until you just start doing the exact same things again? Well, I had to pause when I got my diagnosis because it was important for me to understand what was going on and what my options are. Because this is a critical junction in my life. So, what does that mean? And on the second leg, God has really just kind of slowed me down. You know, I planned this trip out. I had all my stops, you know, use my AAA app. 
you know, it had everything four, three, four, five hours apart, you know, nice trip that I planned. But I think God has another plan on how this trip's going to go. And it's not so much that I'm, that I'm kind of seeing now about the trip as it is getting me to slow down, to slow down. You know, I have no schedule, have no place to be, and enjoy this journey. So these last couple of days, it's been kind of like to slow down. It's kind of like when I saw that accident, we all slowed down for a minute. And then, you know, we kind of got back on it. I kind of did the same thing. I got here. I said, I'm okay. Woke up the next morning and went to try to, you know, talk to my cousins and my aunt. And he says, just slow down. Got no place to go. I'm getting a great rate. I'm paying $70 a night. So I'm like, you know, take your time. Enjoy this time with your relatives and, and your journey itself. I went to Whole Foods. Um got some apples, got, you know, some other veggies to eat and some things like that. So it's been real interesting how I am slowing down. And as I say, stop and smell the roses. So I'm smelling the roses now on this journey. But I, I'm, 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 and I'm sensing that the slowdown is something I need to do all the time in my life now. Enjoy what has transpired in my life my first 59 years. And this diagnosis has kind of shaken me up. And I mean, you know, when you're watching, a, uh, remember you're watching a scary movie and... You know, somebody's yelling and screaming and you trying to, they, you, you tell them to run, run, run. And you, you're just like, man, slap them. You know, wake them up. Get them, you know, get them out of that funk, so to speak. And that's what this is. You know, this diagnosis was just, all right, Corey, you got to make some changes. So that's how I look at this. It's really nothing bad or major or anything like that. It's just wake up. And so when I saw that accident, you know, it was, you know, it was kind of like, wow, you know, that's horrible. But I got to keep on rolling. Can't stop to see what happened, what transpired. First of all, I probably would have freaked out when I went in the car and saw people, you know, bodies mangled. That probably, I probably would have freaked out anyway. So... I just, you know, kept on driving, and we got back on that caravan. But as I'm doing this drive, you know, and, you know, going through Mississippi and then coming into Louisiana, and what was kind of funny was as I'm going through the over the bridge from Mississippi into Louisiana on I-20, the GPS tells me as I'm over the Mississippi River 
that I'm in Louisiana. So the Louisiana line actually split up in the Mississippi River. But as I'm crossing over the Mississippi River, I'm looking at it. And I remember crossing it as a young child, and you know, even l later on, you know, traveling through the South, you know, running track in, um, at Morehouse, we would, you know, we would always take vans for the majority of our races, and just kind of seeing the sights. But the Mississippi River is so low with water that you could see about a hundred yards at minimum on both sides of the river that how much water is missing from that river. The shoreline has just extended into the river a hundred yards, a couple hundred yards, you know, on, on both sides. And I started thinking and, you know, just for conversation, you know, people, people who care about the environment and stuff like that, they like to call them tree huggers and stuff like that. And there's no way I've considered myself a tree hugger, but I did, it did make me pause and think, how can the great Mississippi river shoreline be so impacted from our our environment you know in the last few decades where's all the water why isn't it being fed and water coming into it like it used to so it just really made me think about my own life that what changes have happened, what things I need to do differently, what direction. So I'll, it doesn't dry up on me. And I never would think that I would see something like the Mississippi River, you know, have so much water actually missing from it. And, you know, living in Las Vegas, we have Lake Mead. And you can see how low the water is in Lake Mead and where the water line used to be 10, 20, 30 years ago. And, it, and so I'm driving through Mississippi and Louisiana and I'm seeing all this farmland, I'm seeing these cows graze. You know, I'm just seeing a lot of things happening it's just making me think about a lot of things in my life. And this is one of the things I thought would may be happening on this trip is things just kind of get revealed to me. But as I just saw the cows and all this land, you know, these huge farms and, and call them what they were, plantations. There's still a lot of land out there, and I'm seeing these cows graze that, you know, these cows are not in stables, and, you know, they're eating off the land. 
there's a lot of resources out here. And, and now that I'm going organic, all my foods and eliminating certain foods from my diet, that to come back to how it used to be to some degree, things in our lives. And seeing these animals just grazing in the grass and how much land's out there, you know, we can make our lives better if we choose to. And what becomes more important in our lives? So, please tell me about a road trip that maybe you've taken in your life and you remember. And, you know, please call in. The number to call in is 404-557-2264. Again, call in 404-557-2264. This is Women with Prostate Cancer. I want to thank you for checking in. And we're going to continue this show and, and keep talking. But right now, I'm just going to take a little break. And I'll see you back in a few.
All right. Took a little break and coming back in. So when I left the last segment, I asked if anyone out there remembers of long road trips that they've taken with their families and the memories of driving on those long road trips. Maybe across country, maybe, you know, across Texas, which is a whole day by itself. And I haven't even hit Texas yet. You know, I've been in Louisiana the last three days and enjoying it. And, okay. Hello. Okay, I have Miss Kim on the line. Let's see. Kim, you're live on the air. Are you Hi, there? Good morning. Okay. How's it going? Well, I think I'm going to have to have you call the phone number instead of hitting the link from the I can podcast. Hear you. you can't hear me? think that link on the podcast is requiring you to have a mic. I have I have my earphones so am, in. Uh, it says my call is live. I ask if you can call 404-557-2264. Let me see if I can put you on the air from there. Okay. And it's going on. So anyway, so... If you've been, if you have these long road trips and you've seen things, and okay. hello, Kim, you're on the air. Hi, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. So nice to hear from you. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm glad to be listening again to. Um, Moody's Mixers live. Yes, this is live, and in my first little segment that I had, I was talking about my drive from Mississippi through to Louisiana and seeing this Mississippi River dry up, and I thought I would never see something as massive as the Mississippi River actually dry up. You know, it looks like Lake Mead. You know those. Your, your 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 levels is you know 20 30 feet low and seeing just hundreds of yards on both sides of the mississippi dry up just made me wondering what's going on and i remember seeing it so full of water in years past so i'm just asking people to call in and tell me about Maybe a road trip that they've taken in their life. So you have a road trip that you can tell us about that you took? I can. I remember um, my grandparents used to send for all the grandchildren, my father's children, as well as my aunt's children, to come to Chicago every year, every summer. We'll go to uh, Chicago, it was five of us. And then they would drive us to uh, Indiana, which is where my grandfather was from. You met Emmett our grandfather Emmett. So we would drive to his family, um, 
and we'd spend a week in Indiana and then we'd drive back and they'd put that Cadillac on the road and put all of us in the back seats. Those weren't, weren't required then and we would just have a great time and have a, a lunch and, you know, sit by um, wherever they would stop a lake or somewhere in our journey and we just had great times and memories with my cousins. It was good. And so what did you guys leave from the go to sh- from Chicago? Was that from L.A.? Uh, we would all fly. I was the oldest of the cousins. So I would fly with all of my younger cousins and my sister from L.A. to Chicago. Okay. Okay. And so those are probably some good memories with your relatives, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, Janine and my cousin Clarence, uh, Jermaine and Lisa. And, yeah, we had great times. We did it every summer. And um, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I also did road trips with my um, my mom's parents, um, and we would drive from L.A. to Kansas City. I've only done that once with them. They would do it every year. Okay, okay. Yeah, and, you know, this trip has kind of changed a little bit. You know, I, I was saying how I saw this real bad accident, you know, when I got into Louisiana, and, you know, we kind of slowed down. You know, I was kind of in a little convoy with two other cars, you know, when we saw this accident, you know, your your mind and your body kind of tells you, man, let's slow down because you see a real bad accident, you know, a car slipped on its side. But then after about two miles, you know, we pick it right back up again. And I was kind of relaying that to, you know, you know, my health that, you know, when I got the diagnosis, it was kind of like that car wreck, you know, do you slow down and is it only just for a minute? And uh, so I'm learning now, I, I, I got to pause, but not just for two miles. Pause and really think about what you have to do. And now this pause in Shreveport, it's teaching me something because, you know, I'm only supposed to be in one stop w- one night, you know, in these six stops. But I've been here three days already. And got another day I'm going to stay. So I won't be leaving here to Sunday. But I'm not rushing. And I can see the brakes being put on in my life. Because I had this plan. It was kind of like in Spain when I had this plan to run this race. But I didn't listen. I went ahead and, yeah. and, and ran the race that I wanted to run instead of just listening. Well, this time... I'm listening. I'm slowing down. I'm just taking my time and enjoying this trip. So, you know, I'm just curious about people who have taken road trips, what kind of things can and went through their minds and things that they've kind of taken on in their life. And Well, it's even like when you and I drove um, from Atlanta to Hilton Head. I mean, we stopped and and took our time and that's the beauty you can take your time um, on your drive and i think even when we traveled out of the country we we learned that um in france a, a fast lunch is an hour yeah so you just have to to slow down and listen and you know the holy spirit will speak to you and, and guide you if, if we ever can get quiet enough to listen yeah yeah and He's been shaking me up this 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 trip here, especially this with the second leg. First leg, he he let me do stay to my plan. 
but then now he kind of hit the brakes on me. So it's uh, it's really interesting, and and actually I'm enjoying it more now. So I heard you say, you know, take my time. So you're not putting no time schedule on me then. Is that right? Absolutely <laughs> not. No, there's nothing going on. Um, and and you have no, <laughs> you're not running a race. Nope. You are, you set the pace and, and you go at it, you know. I think that's another thing that this pandemic has taught everyone is that you have to just stop and smell the roses. I, mean, I know that's a cliche thing, but it really, really has taken on real meaning um, since March and nothing is promised. So, you know, you're there with, with family and, and friends and I would say take the time that you need um, to, you know, refuel and replenish and, and just get, get what you need and, out of it. And you said a couple of things that actually when I'm laying in bed, that's actually ran through my mind and that's slow down, smell the roses. You know, uh, you know, God has told me, look, you've lived a great 59 years. Now I'm now give me control. And this, how I'm approaching this prostate cancer is it's now it's time to give him control. But he's saying, look, you've had a great 59 years. And watch what I do. So you saying that just almost kind of confirms that this is what I need to do. And I'm I'm enjoying the slowness of my life. And, you know, we've had conversations about, you know, especially during this pandemic, you know, I haven't been home seven months in a row like that period. You know, I was in Las Vegas for seven months. I haven't been that still in 17 years. So, you know, this trip here is teaching me that, hey, you know what? Enjoy it now. I, you, you can enjoy it and let me stay in control. So hearing you say that, you know, just kind of confirms what I need to do and to stay on task and let him have control of it. So I appreciate that. And uh, I'm missing you, though. So I can't wait. To get, I can't wait to get back. So, but I appreciate you checking in with me. Um, and I look forward to talking to you again and seeing you seeing your beautiful face. So um, I'm going to take another break. And, uh, and keep on. enjoying the journey. We love you and we'll see you soon. All right. I appreciate it. And have Aiden just take care of that knee of his. Yes. His rehab is great. He's already at 90 degrees. Flexing, um, the, the therapist yesterday said, wow, you know, that's the beauty of being young. Your body just. <laughs> It snaps right back. He's had no pain. Um, you know, he's walking, you know, a little bit without the crutches. Um, you know, they don't want him to move too fast because he can mess up the grass. But right. making amazing um, progress. And so we're thankful to God above. No pain. So. All right. Well, that's it, a good, good thing. 
Yeah, so yeah he doesn't need to get on any of those drugs that you hear. No, 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 no. He took um, Motrin the very first night. Um, well, not the first, the second night when the nerve block began to wear off. One Motrin, 200 milligrams, that's it. That's all he's had. Right. Good, good, good. Yeah, we're thankful for that. Okay. So be safe. I surely um, will. And you I'm enjoy gonna your day. I'm going to continue listening for the rest of the, the podcast. And I'm enjoying the journey with you. So... I will talk with you later. Say hello to everyone for I me. I surely will. Thank you, and um, thanks for checking in. Bye-bye. All right. All right, that was a nice call-in to have as I'm on this journey. So, you know, I used to be a Boy Scout. Cub Scout, Boy Scout, We Below. Y'all remember all that? Any Boy Scouts out there, call in. You know, always be prepared. And on this trip here, you know, I'm on a heavy juice plant-based diet now. So I had to prepare this trip. And I prepared for seven days. But I already see it's going to be much longer than that. So when I left Atlanta and I had this big cooler, I had 40 bottles of this green juice. I had six mason jars of this, my carrot apple juice, ginger, that I thought would be enough to last me through this trip. But I'm drinking a lot of my juices, you know, these last four days. So when I went to Whole Foods, what I realize that you go to these cities, you know, Wichita Falls should be next, you know, it should be a Whole Foods there or maybe a Costco. Now in Shreveport, it's not a Costco. So I had to get my Costco fix. Yeah, I'm a Costco junkie. So I had to get my Costco fix in Jackson, Mississippi. And this was a beautiful, this was a brand new Costco. It was huge. And after about 35 minutes, I said, what are you doing in here? There's nothing you need in here but some fruits, some veggies, and some nuts. That's all you need. But I was so enamored 
with this store, I started walking around. And I also need to fill up because, you know, my car took me all the way from Atlanta to Jackson. I didn't have to fill up. And I needed to get some gas. And I noticed, it said, you know, gas 165. And I, but I couldn't find the pumps at this Costco. I said, well, maybe they're just advertising what Costco gas is. And $1.65, you know, that's cheap. And I'm sure in Las Vegas, it's still probably over $2. But even in Atlanta, it was, I got it as low as $1.79. But I'm looking for this. I couldn't find the pumps. I drove all the way around this Costco to the back where the trucks end up, all the back doors. But then I look across the street. There it is. This Costco, the gas station was like a gas station where you, you know, wasn't like a regular Costco, you, you know, gas attached to the store. It was just humongous. But what I realized that, you know, I can refuel not just my car but i can refuel my diet items and i have this cooler so now today would be my first day that i'm actually changing in the ice i still had ice in my in this cooler for over three days all my juices are cold i got some soup in there and i heated up some soup yesterday i ate um a salad yesterday and so, and I'm not hungry at all. My body is not craving any food. So, as a CPA, you know, we anal, right? We real anal, and, you know, we want to get every dollar. And we want to save as much as we can. And one of the habits that I've had is I never waste food. And if something's free, I'm going to get it. So I would overeat, get two extra drinks because it's free or whatever. It's part of, you know, my my package that I have. And so here I am in the Hilton Garden Inn. So this is my second Hilton Garden Inn. And this is where you get your cook-to-breakfast order. So I'm a Hilton guy. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Up in the Air with George Clooney. Watch it. It's a great movie. So here I am, I get free breakfast, and it's a good breakfast here. I mean, they make these good eggs, pancakes, sausage, you know, whatever you want. But nothing was organic. And could I hold off for my habit of always having to take what's available to me because it's free? Oh, I don't want to waste it. And for four nights so far, haven't eaten anything other than what I brought with me and bought from Whole Foods or Costco. Haven't had any meat at all, just plant-based stuff. And this is probably my longest time going without anything no meat i would always maybe eat, get a little piece of fish maybe a little slice of chicken but it's been what 
four days and I haven't had any meat. And one of the therapies that, that they recommend is to cut everything out but plant-based. And Kim and I looked at each other because we did a bunch of research and still I'm still researching every day. And I'm like, man, this is going to be real difficult. But it hasn't been. I just believe God has taken these desires away from me. I don't need them. Heal your body. So I'm, I'm sitting here in front of the, the, the kitchen where they make your breakfast and all that. You know, because of the pandemic, they don't have the buffet anymore. So now everything, you, you, you sit down and they bring your food out to you. But I hadn't eaten anything. You know, I'm eating my banana, my nuts, and have my juice here at the, you know, in my little makeshift stu studio. And I'm not missing it. I'm not missing not having that food that I used to eat. And I'm realizing that everything that I've been eating for the majority of my adult life has been comfort food. And we hear about comfort food, that comfort food is, that's your milkshakes, you know, your cakes, you know, bit double cheeseburger with chili and everything else on it. And what I've been realizing these last few weeks, that everything has been a comfort food. And my body's been reminding me, I just need nutrition. My body needs certain elements to survive. You know, the carbs, some protein, some fats. That's all the body needs. But our brain tells us we want pizza. We want cheeseburgers. We want those things. And when I eat my fruit, my veggies, and my juice, my body responds totally different than when I would eat other meals to get full. I don't get full. My body stays satisfied. And my brain is so clear now that those desires don't even creep in. Now, I'm here, I'm in Louisiana. I got a cousin, Rosetta, who can cook gumbo better than anybody on the planet. And when I went over there Thursday, she was cooking this chili dish she was taking to school for her coworkers, you know, some of her employees that, that work with her in the school system. And it was smelling good, looking good, but it didn't bother me at all. I just grabbed my nuts, grabbed another juice, and my body just said, you're fine. Doesn't this feel good? And I said, yeah, I just smiled inside. 
And, you know, I'm coming down here to the breakfast area. People are eating and I'm setting up and there's no desire because my body feels satisfied. And I know I've, I've fasted in the past. I've tried, I've, lo- I've lost weight because when I'm competing, you know, I got to get my weight down. And it can be a struggle trying to get that weight off by changing my diet and, and, you know, sometimes even starving myself for a day or two just, you know, to get it off because I just can't, can't do it any other way that I thought. So I'm just learning now that my body has power that I never knew it had because I never allowed it to. I let my brain tell me, I want this, I need this. And this transformation really happened, you know, in a matter of a couple of weeks. And I remember, you know, cooking, you know, when I started this journey, this diet journey, you know, because I've been loving to cook, you know, you know, Tuesday is Taco Tuesday in our house. And I, you know, I'm cooking everything from scratch and, you know, and it's been great food. And I've been doing this prior to my diagnosis. So now when I got the diagnosis, I don't want to stop it for the family. But I had to change what I ate for me. Now I can eat the beans. I can eat the rice. But I couldn't eat the meat. I think I ate a piece of meat, and you know, and I got my stomach, my body didn't respond well when I put some meat in my body. But now I can cook and do these things and not have a desire. My body just doesn't respond like that anymore. So this has really been a, an event for me to understand, to take control of my health, to take control of my life, and let God really do his thing. And I didn't think I would be here today body satisfied with just fruits and veggies and juice. And it's been tremendous. So I know it's possible. And if you're struggling with, you know, a diet or a lifestyle change, call in. Tell me what's going on. Let's let's talk about it. Let's see if we can have a breakthrough of maybe there's something you can do that you might say, you know what, I want to do this. I want to make a change. You know, and doing it the way I used to do it prior to this diagnosis was difficult. Even when I had a race and I knew it was important to do that, it was difficult. But I just believe right now God has just taken over with this diagnosis. And I want to say something, you know, and, you know, you know, we hear people talk about God and he's going to do all this stuff and he can't. But what has happened for me is that he's given me the ability to do what I need to do. He's not a genie in a bottle and he just weighs a wine and you get healed or whatever. 
I just don't believe that. My healing is going to come from me doing what I need to do. Dieting properly, exercising, resting, you know, things like that I have to do. But he's given me the ability in taking those desires and giving me the path to make it possible. Because we still got to do those things. So I'm, my trust is in him. And you got to understand when I was sitting in the doctor's office going to hear my first results. And that doctor tells you, you have prostate cancer. And you smile because you know you got a plan other than the options that the doctor's given you. I knew that at that point in time, I had to surrender. And this is real faith. Because I'm saying I trust God more than I trust what the doctors can do with this illness. And I've seen the results of many people who have done these other procedures. And you will hear from them on the show. I've interviewed them while I was in Atlanta. Even prior to leaving Atlanta, I, I have some shows I'm going to be airing with people who have gone through cancer. And there are some cancer um, survivors that have already been on the show. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to them about their journey with cancer. And what I'm realizing, do I want to be alive or do I want to live? And I've always been one who wanted to live over than just being alive. And I think I fear sometimes makes us make choices that we just want to live. You know, because the doctor, doctor even told me, well, you know, do you want to live? Do you want, yeah, I want to live, but not the way you want me to live. Because I know once I go down that road, you got your hooks in me for the rest of my life. I'm taking prescription drugs. I'm doing a whole bunch of things now that I don't want to do. I see what it looks like. So death for me, it's not living, not being alive. There are people in a lot of vegetated states, you know, hooked up to machines, but there's no response. So, the choice I'm making for me is what I think keeps me alive and to live. And I think God has given me that charge now, having me slow down, giving it all over to him to enjoy life now. I've worked my tail off for 59 years. Now it's time to enjoy life. And that's why this decision that I'm choosing is important to me. And what I want people to hear and understand is take the time to make the decision that's best for you 
but not out of fear. And what you'll be hearing coming up very shortly are people who have gone through cancer treatments and telling you that they did it out of fear. And that's the marketing machine that's out here to have us afraid of all these chronic diseases when there are alternatives out there. But it does take discipline, dedication. You know, is it just about taking a pill so you don't have to do these things? You know, I had someone say, Corey, that's a lot of time, you know, that you dedicate every day to your treatment. I say, no, it's four hours I dedicate to my life. Because I get to live the way I want to live. So being in the kitchen four hours a day doesn't bother me. I love it. I enjoy it. I can give up a football game. Four hours a day, that's a football game. Or you say, well, I like football. I don't want to give it up. Okay, you can take the pills. You can do those things. But you're going to hear what happens to some people, a lot of people, when they take these drugs. These commercials are not having these disclaimers because they want to. They have to now. They have to tell you, here are the side effects. But for some reason, we don't hear those. We hear that it's work to really get what we may want out of life. But is living, being alive, more important than having life? And that's a decision I had to make. And even if you go through some of these other alternative, these other treatments, and actually my, my, my aunt that's here, you know, you know, she's gone through some treatments. She's 90 years old. She went through them 16 years ago. She's one of the ones who got through it pretty well with no issues, with limited issues. But that's not the norm. That's why they got to tell us that on these commercials, what the possible side effects are. And I think if we talk with folks that have gone through it and we sit down and have honest communication with them, they may tell you a different story. And that's what's going to be coming up on this show. People who have gone through other treatments. And for me, the measurement isn't that someone outlived me from a chronological perspective. What was the quality of that life? And that's what's important to me, and that's the choice I'm making. And I understand those who may not want to take this path. But whatever path you take, make sure you understand it. And even supplementing those treatments with better nutrition, weight loss, exercising, make those treatments even better. So yeah, I believe that they weren't afraid to tell us if we did those things, these treatments would work better and we may not need them. 
what type of impact they may have on the, the pocketbooks. So understanding that doing it yourself is kind of, uh, kind of unique. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about one thing that I do that I've been reading and researching because I'm doing it. I want to make sure I understand it totally. How I got information on both sides of the equation. So what really determines what decisions we make in life? Is it fear? Not knowing? Or just want to make it easy? And we have to all answer that for ourselves. Because no matter what choice we make for whatever reason, you're going to have information on both sides. The key is what drives your decisions for you to do what you do. So that's, I want you to think about it. And when I come back, Let's talk about it. And I would love to hear from you if you have some things to talk about and where you are in your life with your health, your family, your relationship, your, your career. What's holding you back if you are being held back or you think you're being held back? Think about it. After 59 years, I had to accept this is where I am at 59 now. God, I've done all I could. And I'm happy with what I've accomplished in my 59 years. But now I'm ready to go even to the next level. So now it's time for me to surrender. And let's go to that next level together be back.
Okay. Yeah, so what's going on, huh? I'm going to talk about some things that, you know, you've been hearing me talk about juicing and plant-based diet and things like that. But there's something else that uh, I do that uh, I really believe is making the the biggest or having the greatest impact on my health and why I'm feeling so good. And that's the coffee enema. And I remember reading about it and, you know, pros and cons and, you know. But then forget about what it does and whether it's good or bad. Just the act itself, doing it. How can I do something like that? Well, and I struggled with it for a while. Even I have to start when I start doing my own. You know, the very first one. My wife assisted me. After that, she just always left the room. So I guess I didn't have a choice. But that first time, it was a little uncomfortable, especially on the release, because I have to retain this coffee for 15 minutes. Now, I'm saying 15 minutes because this, this is where I'm still struggling and trying to understand what is the optimal. I can't wait to get back so I can have a conversation with my doctor. But, you know, there's several studies and information that says 12 to 15 minutes is the most you should have it. Some say hey, 20, 25 minutes. Some say as long as you can hold it. Because what's happening is this, this coffee... It's like a dialysis for your liver. So it's constantly going through your liver, your blood's going through there. So it's kind of like icing, you know, when you, you know, when you're icing, they always talk about, you know, 15, 20 minutes. You remember, you know, rice, rest, Ice compression elevation, you know, that was an acronym to kind of tell you whatever happens when you have an injury. You know, so just apply rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. Well, as it tells us about the ice, you know, ice for 15 minutes, no more than 20, because after 20 minutes, the ice is, is doing no good. So this is the same thing with this coffee enema. I'm trying to understand what is the optimal retention period. So right now I'm doing between 15 to 20 minutes. And actually it's real, it's real easy for me now. It, it, the first seven or eight of these, you know, you know, a month or so ago when I started this, it was difficult to, to hold for even 
12, 15 minutes. It was difficult. And then even to get the coffee enema to get into your intestines and colon to, to, to get the cleanse, you know, that was even difficult, you know, having it come in. Not difficult from a pain, pain there's no pain, just uncomfortable for a minute. So what happens? You know, now that that process is not very hard anymore, and the release is not hard anymore. I cramped the first seven or eight times. You know, it was like having food poisoning. Don't have it anymore. But the clarity in my brain, the clarity in my body, I feel light. And I think, you know, going along with the organic foods and the juicing, all is contributing to that also. But I just feeling that this, this coffee enema is doing something different that I've ever had done in my life to my body. Because I've eaten organic before, but probably not at this level. You know, we've always tried to buy organic food as much as possible. And, you know, maybe it's getting off the red meat. You know, I don't know exactly right now, but I'm documenting everything. And, you know, that's why this journey is important. And those who are, you know, going through some of the same things also, you know, I would love to hear from you. What, you know, what are you doing? What's worked for you? And what we got to understand, all our bodies are different. You can have stage one prostate cancer just like me. But what you need to do may be a little different. So, I'm, you know, so what I'm saying is just kind of information to give you an understanding of, and myself, of this the commitment and dedication we have to have no matter what method we choose. So now I'm in a hotel. So I have, you know, I have the IV pole, you know, in the whole nine yards in, in, in Vegas. But now I'm traveling with this, with my, my portable one, you know, having to hang it on the door. And I don't have a pot to heat it up. So I got to use the microwave oven to heat the water and try to get it this, um, for you know, sent for 15 minutes, you know, having to heat it. So I'm having to navigate to get it right. You know, same thing with the juicing. I had to make my, my, my carrot juice a little earlier. So I'm learning to transition or, or, or not have it just the perfect conditions to make this work. But I know I don't want to miss any of these opportunities to do what I'm supposed to do. Like I said, this whole trip here, I'm not going to eat any meat. No chicken, no fish. Red meat's gone anyway. And it may be 10, 14 days. You know, I've gone, ve I've gone vegetarian in the past, you know, maybe, you know, a few days. But not like this. This is different. And 
how I feel is different. And maybe because my mind, you know, just knows what's going on, that, hey, you got to do this. This is, this is your life. And, you know, God's just giving me the strength not to sweat it. But that treatment or that part of it has been a life changer. And I will recommend that you do your research on it and, and, and try it for yourself to see how it makes you feel. Even if you don't have chronic disease. And I'm saying chronic disease, not just cancer, because all this stuff that I'm talking about helps all or many chronic diseases. And if you go out to my webpage, coreymoody.podbean.com, you'll see some people that I follow. And I would love for you to listen to some of those people that I follow. And also, I want you to go out to the website, you know, the guests that have been on here, there's some very interesting videos out there. So if you just kind of got a link and listen to an episode, go visit the webpage. There's some interesting information out there. And some of these people that I follow, you know, I'm going to have them on my show. I want to go on their show because they have some interesting stories. You know, folks that have been cured of cancer. See, they've already gone through my process, and they're out on the other end. I just want to take some people with me through this process. Because a lot of times we don't hear this until we've done some other things. If we had known that this was possible, I mean, I really didn't know about you know, plant-based diet and stuff that can, you know, cure or heal. They don't like to don't see, they don't like us to say cure because you know, they want to make it legal, scientific. You know, you got to have these studies. Well, the only study I need is myself. I don't, I don't need to have anybody else tell me that this don't work or I can't say that. See, that's the beauty of taking things in control of yourself. You to control the outcomes. No one can tell you, man, you can't say that, you can't do that. Yeah, I can, because I've done it. And, you know, these doctors are kind of the same way. You know, they've read about it, gone to school, but they just know what the protocol says, what they can prescribe for you. So I know this coffee enema is doing some great things to my body. But I can go online and I can look up the Mayo Clinic, which is a huge cancer place. They want to tell you how dangerous coffee enemas are. That people have died and it can cause this, it can cause that. Well, so can chemo, so can radiation, and so can removal. What's your point? But those findings are not really accurate. And we know from this, and being in 2020, 
people on the news and what people say ain't always true. So you got to wonder why are they saying that? If we all started having nutrition and doing some of these alternative treatments, is it going to affect them? Man, they so big now and people so afraid and now they still going to make trillions of dollars. But can it be a generation that says, you know what, we're not going to do this. And that's one thing I have to say I love about these millenniums, these young kids out here now. And in my practice as a CPA, I started reading some things on how to attract millenniums to your business, how to have an office with the millenniums, because they're different. But they're different in a good way to me. Because they make us think out the box. I have a a a, a, a guy that I've uh, that's that I brought back that's working with me, an older gentleman. You know, he's in his seventies. And we were laughing about, you know, being a dinosaur. And in my profession, you know, most of these partners are older, older gentlemen, and and bringing in technology just doesn't fit them because they got to learn how to do Windows or Apple or whatever. It's just like, I don't want to go through that. This stuff's been working. But the productivity and efficiency is, is uncomparable. So these millenniums are forcing us to get on the bandwagon. And you see that they're out here fighting and protesting, which is different than how it was in the 60s. You know, when you when I looked at the TV this year, there was people all ages, races, colors, everything out there. In the 60s, it looked a little different. People are tired of being, I won't even say told what to do, of maybe being misled. Because I think all of us should be able to do what we're called to do, do what we need to do, do what we want to do. But sometimes we do those things in ignorance. And these millenniums have information. And the internet has brought that to us. And I remember growing up, we had encyclopedias. You know, 50 books. You know, you had to have a room dedicated just for your encyclopedia. And that's how we did our book reports. That's how we did a lot of things for school. We had encyclopedias. And, you know, my parents always made sure we had a set of encyclopedias. You know, maybe I think we may have gone through two or maybe three encyclopedias, you know, because after five or six years, they kind of get outdated and you need new information. And I always used to always look at, I used to go to the sporting sections. I just like to look at the world records. I always want to be a world record holder in something. I used to always look at the dogs because they always had all the dogs in the encyclopedias, pictures of them. 
and they had just interesting facts. But now you have this at your fingertips with the internet. And anybody can post stuff on the internet. Hey, this this podcast is web-based. You know, it's over the airways of Wi-Fi. So even people who write books and write things in the newspapers, people who are on the news, the information they are conveying to us, is it actually accurate? Is it all false news? What determines you to say something, this is right, this is wrong, or this is good, this is bad, or this is true, this is false? Is it because you heard it from someone else and you just repeated it? Or is it because you researched it yourself? So, you know, I have a thing about if you tell me something, if I don't understand it, I'm going to ask questions. Or if it don't make sense, I say, well, hold on. And when I come to find out, what I realize is a lot of times when we're talking or having conversations, we're repeating what we heard from someone else. And you hear people say, man, that's, that's, that's the left, that's the right, that's his rhetoric. And that's what a lot of us do. We just, we just repeat what we heard. We don't verify. People come work for me in the office and say, we always confirm and verify. And I've always tried to do that myself in my life is to confirm and verify. I just don't believe everything that I hear because sometimes it just don't make sense. So millenniums, they have a ton of information and resources at their fingertips now. And so when you talk to them, you can't just tell them anything. You, you at least better have your own reason or your own information why you say what you say, why you believe what you believe. Otherwise, they're just going to say, okay, you just repeating what you heard. So as I've gone through my information about healing myself, you got to understand I'm seeing things on both sides. But I have to put this pu- puzzle together. What, what's right, what's wrong, what makes sense. You know, so, you know, when I talk to my doctor, you know, he makes sense to me. But he spends an hour. So my appointment with my doctor, it's an hour. And we're talking about things. We're talking about my results from my blood work, you know, where my levels are in everything in my body. That makes sense to me. As opposed to I have a cough. Here, let me give you some cough syrup. Or give you, you know, with the codeine in it. Y'all remember, you know, that cough syrup, the codeine, that good cherry flavor, man, that's good putting that codeine in. Is that what I needed? Maybe. My point is that 
I always want to know how everything affects my body. And I think that's why I can get through this, and I'm going to get through this with flying colors. Because I'm going to keep researching. I'm going to keep learning. I'm going to keep understanding. And that's why I love these kids that's out here today. And you think about John Lewis who just passed. You know, when he was getting beat up, you know, he was in his 20s. And watching these young kids out here now in their 20s and 30s, you know, here I'm, you know, almost 60. And I'm like, man, these kids too young, you know. I, I wish I was, I wish I can go back to help them. But I don't need to. Because changes have always been made by young kids. But I'm so old now, relatively speaking, that you, you think that they too young. And you got kids that age and older than that. And you're like, wait a minute. They can do that. Because it's been done by young kids in the past. They learn the process, the system, what they quote-unquote rights were back in the civil rights movement. But we had to fight for those. We just didn't take what someone said. And it always amazes me that we are taught certain things where it's the law, do what you're supposed to do. But there were a lot of things that were the law in the 60s, in the 50s, in the 20s, in the 1800s. So just because something's the law don't mean you can't challenge it. Just because the MD says it don't mean you can't challenge it. No matter who says whatever, don't challenge, you can challenge it. One thing I like to say that I, I prided myself on in my practice is I always demanded, didn't ask, I really demanded that my clients get involved in understanding what I'm doing for their companies. Because I want them to know because there's things that I could be missing. There'd be some nuances, particular to what they want, what they need, as opposed to just go ahead and do it. And, you know, uh, I try to answer the question when the banker or the insurance guy or the bonding guy comes to talk to me. You gotta understand it. You may hire me to assist you in your business, but you gotta know your business better than I do and we can do it together. That's why my relationship with my doctor is very important. It's a team effort. It's not just me out here going on the internet trying to find stuff. I could. I could, everything that my doctor's been telling me for the last few years I can find the internet. As a matter of fact, I send him stuff. Say, hey, man, this sounds just like you. I send him stuff all the time, stuff that I heard that sounds just like him. I also read and see stuff that sounds the opposite. What the other side's saying. 
you know, I've been a talk radio junkie really my whole adult life. I've been listening to both sides. Listen to the guys that used to come on at night. And I can't believe I'm actually sitting up here as if I'm having a talk show. A kid that flunked speech till he got to the fifth grade. Can't say most of the words he tries to pronounce and say. I still struggle with that. But I had to get over that fear. The last bird I gotta get I gotta get over these birds. I'm scared to death of birds. But I've been able to walk on the same side of the street with these birds, these pigeons, who may be plucking around in the gutters and the curb. I used to I used to cross the street and just go around the birds. This last couple of months, I've been able to kind of squeeze by on the same side of the sidewalk with these birds. Now, if there's a lot of them, I'm going around still. But I got to get over my fears. And I know these birds ain't going to do nothing. You know, I'm seeing all these other folks go by, walk by. Don't bother them. What's my problem? I don't know. Is this a fear I have? So this journey is about getting over my fears. And I have no fear about prostate cancer. That that ain't nothing. I'm done with that. It's over. Now I got to get over these other fears to move on with my life, to enjoy it. If we're here to have life and have it more abundantly, what are we willing to do to get that? It ain't a magic wand. I'm sorry for those who, you know, I'm going to have some folks mad at me. God's going to do it all for you. You ain't got to do nothing. Okay. All right. I don't, I ain't seen that work yet. And he ain't telling me to do that. So if he's telling you to do that, my hat's off to you. I remember <laughs> listening to Kanye West. I was watching some shows through the talk show. It might have been Larry King, I don't know, something like that, but he said something or he may have cussed or something. And he said, Uh oh, I'ma lose my Christian card. And I started laughing <laughs> because you you know, no matter what we do, no matter what you're in, you always got somebody who wants to discount you. Don't have nothing to do with the subject at hand, but they just want to discount you. I remember hearing the pastor speak, you know, actually this year. And he said, yeah, you got to be careful of these gangster Christians. And I'm like, wow. That was deep. You know, threatening your walk with God because they see it differently than you. And this walk, this journey that I'm on, it's my journey. And I always remember when I first got saved that 
you know, you get your relationship with God, you know, you want to have your own relationship. But there's always more than you need people telling you what not to do, what you can't do. And one of the things I learned when I was in Spain, when God woke me up at 427 a.m. in the morning, and I'm on my knees crying for two and a half hours, that my relationship that I have with him is real. And it's my relationship. And no one can penetrate that relationship. Like no one should be able to penetrate, you know, your marriage or your penetrate your relationship you have with your, your, your business, your, your clients. How strong are your relationships that people and things can penetrate? People can penetrate because we don't know, we don't understand, and we may not have the strength. And I'm looking at myself and um, I'm talking to myself and I'm like, I've always had that I don't care attitude, but I know I care. But I guess I have to look at it and say, I've never allowed anyone to get me off my, my path. And I'm just glad to say that I know God now, I'm on his path. I believe he's always been there with me. He's, he's saved me from a whole bunch of stuff. But I know now, July 14th, when I told that doctor, we got this. Because at that point, I know I have to believe that I'm going to get healed or just live a full life. This cancer may never live, leave my body. It's not going to be what takes me out. And where I am in my life, my thought process, having him on my side, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. So I'm going to take a little break again and come on back and hope you're still there but please call in I would love to hear your voice that's 404-557-2264 again that's 404-557-2264 join me on the air join me on this journey as I travel across the country.
All right. I think this is my last segment here. Got to get ready. My cousin's c- coming through and actually I'm going to her real estate company. See her shop. And headed back over to my aunt Martha who just turned 90 last Sunday. If I hadn't told you, I had another aunt turn 102 Thursday. So long life is in my genes. And that's a whole nother subject we'll talk about your genes and what that means about your health. But so thank you for hanging in there with me and uh, listening. I appreciate you and thank you for that. And again, go out to the webpage. CoreyMoody.Pybean.com As I'm going through this technology, trying to learn how to do things, I had a call in and there's a way you spare to call in and I can click you in through the the Podbean program where you may be logged in, but it's not working right right now. So I got to figure out what's happening with that. I know there's something that says you need to have a mic I think that call-in guest is when you're having a co- co-host. But if you call in on the phone number, I can get you in right on the air with me. And I want to say I'm, I got listeners in seven countries now. So this thing is really going worldwide, so I'm really feeling good about my journey. I don't know anybody in some of these these countries, but this is what I'm told I need to do. So I'm getting better at it. I'm trying to understand what I need to do from a from a technical position perspective, and maybe that's why I like the millenniums. Because if I had a millennium sitting right next to me right now, they probably have it figured out. So any millenniums out there, you want? You want a job, you want a gig, call me. I need someone to help me, you know, with this podcast. So don't be afraid to call because you don't even have to be where I am. You know, with technology, we can make this work no matter where we are. You know, I'm doing the same with my clients. You know, we work no matter where we are in, in the country, in the world, we still get things done. And so this is uh, this is this is nice. So thank you again for uh, tuning in. And this last segment, you know, it's going to be, you know, hopefully this my next live podcast. I'll be in another city. As a matter of fact, I am going to be in another city. So I'm not going to do another live one until I'm in another city, which I think may be Wichita Falls, Texas. Anybody out there listening in Wichita Falls? Pay pay attention or watch it and listen. Let you know where I'm going to be. So I'm looking forward now to start hitting the road. So, you know, I started talking about my car. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm driving a 2001 car with 200,000 miles. Matter of fact, I took a picture of it. Matter of fact, it was Monroe, Louisiana, when my car turned over to 200,000 miles. 
the irony of it, that's where my dad's brother lived, Monroe, Louisiana. He was a music teacher and uh, at Grambling University. He used to raise Doberman Pinchers. And then that year that we drove around the country, we stopped in Monroe, Louisiana also. And I got pictures still of my uncle with these, all these cages in his backyard with all these Doberman Pinchers. And I just thought those were the coolest dogs at that point. And, you know, Dobermans, you know, back in the 70s, you know, that was a very popular dog. You know, in the 60s, you know, everybody had German Shepherds. Then Doberman Pinchers came, and then Rock Routers came along, and then Pit Bulls came along. You know, that's kind of like those were the, the dogs you wanted to have for protection and, you know, so that's, that's how it was. And as I just said that, I'm just thinking, you know, when I used to look at those encyclopedias, I always looked at the dogs. And I just thought that was just so unique, looking at dogs and seeing your uncle raise these Doberman Pinchers. And I ended up having two German Shepherds myself in my lifetime. And I remember getting them trained and training them and, learning, you know, not just the obedience training, but attack training. And, you know, for dogs, we call it shitchen training. You know, it was really a sport for them. You know, knowing how to attack in the arms and certain parts of the body, you teach your dog, you know, how to, how to do this sport, you know, climbing walls and stuff like that. So that was always fun, you know, for me to, you know, try to get my dogs to do some of these training exercises. You know, and I guess, you know, everything that I do, I, I kind of just go all in. And that's why some things, you know, somebody may ask me, hey, man, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? And I say no, you know, sometimes. Not because I, I don't like it. I think it's dumb. I think it's stupid. I just, I just know... I'm going to take it to the fullest. I'm going to try to learn everything about it. I'm one of those ones that I just can't, you know, do it just for the heck of it. Remember my mom used to tell me sometimes, she said, Coy, you know, sometimes you just got to have fun. You just got to enjoy what you've done. And ironically, this is how I feel I am right now. After 59 years, God is telling me, man, you've done this 59 years now. Enjoy it. Sit back. Give me the controls. You know, I remember seeing signs and, or, or, or license plates. And you, you used to always see them say, God, co-pilot. I don't know if anybody out there remember seeing, you know, people had the License plates, you know, you could put a, a a homemade one on the front. The back one, back one always had to be the state issued license plate, but you could put something else on the front. I remember always seeing a bunch of them said, God, co-pilot. And I, I, you know, I didn't quite understand it. I, you know, finally said, oh, they talking about, you know, they, they rolling with God, you know, and, you know, I finally got that part of it, you know, and me flying private planes, you know, I've 
been able to fly planes by myself. And I talked about my first time doing my solo flight. Just how liberating it was to be up in the air in an airplane by yourself and how it felt, the freedom that was there. And at that point, that's when I said, is this what they mean by God co-pilot? Because the freedom in, in, in my mind and my brain was just unparalleled to anything that I've, I've had experienced in my life. You know, because you can, you know, you can kind of feel everything when you're up in those little private planes. But I think I understand it again with my diagnosis because at that point, God was the captain. I'm the first officer. I'm the co-pilot now. So I don't know if I can say he my co-pilot as I am maybe his co-pilot because I got to give him control of the instruments now. And he's teaching me, he's giving me the tools to keep flying this airplane. And I want to be a good first officer. You know, so whenever you're in the airport, from this point on, you're in the airport or you're seeing pilots count the stripes on their uniforms. They got four bars or three bars. If they're four bars, you know that's the captain. If it's three bars, that's the first officer. So now I'm the first officer. See, I thought I was the captain for a while. And now I'm the co-pilot. I'm the first officer. But I have to tell you, now being the first officer actually feels pretty good now because I get to sit back and relax and let the captain do all this, all the flying. You know, so I've probably flown over 3 million miles over the last 17 years. And every now and then you hear the captain come over the loudspeaker and say, the first officer is, is, is driving us today. I'm sitting back relaxing so you'll be hearing from me making the announcement. Because typically, you know, the first officer may make the majority of the announcement because the captain is, you know, it's flying. And, but the captain comes on a lot of times because, you know, the, he's the captain. But when that captain says, I'm sitting back, the first officer is, is driving us today, I can hear the relief of the captain saying, I get to relax and chill today. And that's how this feels. After 59 years, I can sit back 
and actually be the first officer. All I got to do is this, manage the system. Just watch his back, make sure everything's cool, and, and you know, Captain, I got now. Nah, I ain't got to worry about him. I just get to sit back, relax, and enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. I've got 59 years, all this stuff I've, I've been preparing for. He's been preparing me for. Now I'm getting ready to enjoy it. Sit back and relax. So I'm really excited about this. And if there's anyone else out there that's looking to be the captain or the first officer, look into it. Find out what you got to do to be the first officer. Are you still the captain? Or be the captain. Say, guys, tell him, hey, he, he, he's telling me, go ahead, man. You, I'm going to sit so I'm gonna sit over here on the, on the other side and be the first officer. I'm going to let you fly. Because sometimes we got to fly. Sometimes we got to do what we got to do. It ain't magical. So you got to be a captain sometime too because you got to take control. You got to drive that airplane. You may always have a co-pilot with you. That first officer, he's always there with you. You know, that's the safety net. Every now and then you give up those controls. So this journey, this trip across country, I'm co-piloting. I'm the first officer. In this trip, it's going to be amazing. It's already been amazing. And I can't wait to the next stop. Because every stop is bringing me something new. And I'm enjoying this. Immensely. I thought I never could get to this point. Or maybe I thought I never was a wasn't at this point but it gets clearer and clearer we always get deeper and deeper into what's in front of us we thought we knew how to do that problem we thought we understood that but every now and then we we miss something it's kind of like going through the decades of our ages when we get 30 years old, we realize when we were teenagers in our 20s, we didn't know nothing. Then you get in your 40s, you realize, man, I thought I kind of learned a lot when I was in my 30s. I'm still not there. Then you get in your 50s, it's like, all right, I got to make sure I, I'm driving this this plane properly is this all right is it lined up got my altitude right you know is everything is, is everything good i'm about to turn 60 next year my birthday april 7th i'll be 60 and i look back on my 50s that was really a transition year that preparing for the rest of your life not knowing what it's going to look like yeah, you can save and have things up. But what does it look like from your life, your your spirituality, the, 
what you've done. Looking back, are you happy? Are you glad you've done what you've done with your life? Do you have regrets? I've wrote and said in the past, I don't have any regrets in my life. Not that everything's turned out good, but I just didn't re- have any regrets because I've always learned from things in my life. And so when I got this diagnosis with prostate cancer, it's just another hurdle. It's just, and it's not even a hurdle. It's really just a transition of me giving over the controls. Now I get to be the FO. I get to be the first officer. I get to sit back and enjoy the ride now. I've prepared for 59 years. Now I get to finish up. And that's what this feels like to me now. That this is different. It's different. I'm happy. I feel relieved to get all that weight off. It's amazing that You know, I've worked for myself my whole life and, you know, taking care of my family. You know, I never depended on anyone to pay my bills. They had to sign my check. So I always thought I had control over everything. And I may have had a decent amount of control over it. But I tell you what feels even better today is I don't have to worry about that no more. I can just sit back, enjoy that smooth ride, and let somebody else take the driver's seat. So, I'm getting ready to get out of here. And I hope you enjoyed this little ride that we went on today. Maybe some things I would love to hear from you about, to call me, to let me know. Hey, Corey, you know, thanks. Well, Corey, you crazy, man. What you talking about? Either way, it's okay. I believe interaction is good for all of us. And as I'm on this journey... I hope you continue to listen. I would love for you to go out to the website, coreymoody.podbean.com. There's some great videos of the guests that I've had on the show already. In the web page, I have some show notes, how to contact people. So that's one of the things I got to, get better on is making sure when the show's over I'm not on the air or it's not a new episode there's still information out there that helps you helps me know what the temperature is you know sometimes on the plane so cold you gotta de-ice him so always knowing what the temperature is is important so let me know 
There's no good or bad. It's all information, period. So check me out, coreymoody.podbean.com. You can send me an email at coreym at moodybennettcpa.com. That's coreym, that's C-O-R-E-Y, at moodybennettcpa.com. And I hope you're enjoying this show, this podcast, and please let others know about the podcast. Please follow me, like it, spread the word. You know, I, I want more people to hear, to listen, not because of what I'm saying, because of what they can say to me, but they can call me to tell me that I can learn and understand where I am, what I'm going through. Because there are people that have already done what I've done. I just always say I want to go through it. I want people to go through it with me. I didn't want to wait till I'm healed of cancer and cancer-free. I want to go through this journey with people, my friends, with me. And bring some folks along with me to get on this journey too of healing, understanding nutrition and health and your rights. Have the strength to ask questions with your physicians, with your boss, with anything that's going on. Don't listen just to rhetoric. This information sound correct to you when people tell you things. So I want to thank you for tuning in, listening to the show. Have a good weekend. And I look forward to the next time.